Come, Holy Spirit, and touch my lips. Come, Holy Spirit, and illuminate our minds. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts with love for you. Amen. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter. It's wonderful to be here on Easter Day after the whole of Lent and certainly this last week. And yet, in some ways, it doesn't quite feel like Easter Day because we've got Anne with us, who will be leading our prayers later, but the rest of you are watching from somewhere else. But maybe that's okay, and we'll come to that in a moment. Wherever you are, though, happy Easter. I want to begin with the words that we've been using during morning prayer as the refrain to the Benedictus during Passion Tide, so during these last two weeks. And they go like this. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I've seen much on Twitter, particularly in this last week, castigating, really, I suppose, Christians for believing in such foolishness as that somebody could come back alive again, that the cross, of course, is just a symbol of death and suffering. There's no hope in it. So what are we doing, celebrating on Easter Day? How stupid of us. How foolish. The cross is folly. And yet, what we know, because of Mary, the apostle to the apostles, is that this is truth and power. This is the word become flesh, full of grace and truth full of grace and truth for you and for me. This is not foolishness or stupidity at all. This is joyful realisation of the fulfilment of God's promise to his people. The flesh that came to dwell amongst us has died, but been given new life been raised again, and not just so that he could have new life, but that through his life, you and I can have new life too. Been thinking about these readings this week, thinking obviously very deeply about what has happened to the disciples in that week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, Holy Saturday. All the devastation that had happened to them in those intervening days. I watched a film the other day called Mary Magdalene. It was made in 2018. And one of the characters it focuses on is Judas, Judas Iscariot, and his relationship with Mary. 
And his relationship is very different to Christ than Mary's relationship to Christ. And I know it's only a film. But sometimes isn't it worth wondering about why the people that we read about in our scriptures acted in the way they did? Judas very definitely expected the procession into Jerusalem to be a sign, to begin an uprising, to take over the Roman Empire, to get his land back, his family back. And yet, that's not what happened. Jesus didn't use that as a sign for swords and revolution. He did use it as a sign to show that this was God's son riding into Jerusalem and that God's kingdom would come about in a very different way. And you can understand, perhaps, how deflated and disappointed Judas felt. If only he had waited rather than taking his own life, he might have seen Easter morning too. If only he could have trusted in the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who had led him through all those days, through the years, the one who had healed and brought about life. If only he could have been a bit more like Mary. If only he was around early in the morning to walk with her to the tomb. And I sometimes wonder if we're just a little bit like Judas rather than Mary. We want the sign We want to be able to say to those on Twitter, no, look, see, it's true. And yet, how can we? We want the uprising. We want to be proved right. And yet, what we see in our readings and our gospel on this Easter day is how patience, humility, and love can win the day. Mary Magdalene. There's been much said about her. It wasn't until the 6th century and Pope Gregory, who called her a prostitute, then took another 1,500 years, and only in 2016 did the Catholic Church call her officially the Apostle to the Apostles, the messenger to those who would then go on to spread the message. She came from a small town, Magdala. It's in the lower Galilee region a series of valleys and ridges ascending gradually from the western coastal plain into the interior. 
dropping dramatically in elevation to the Jordan Valley and the lake, the Sea of Galilee in the east. The business of the place of Magdala was fishing and salting fish. And many of the women, as they do or did in our country, worked supporting the men who were out at sea by mending the nets, by salting the fish, by sorting it when it had actually come into land. And it's here that this woman, Mary of Magdala, hears the stories from the lips of her brothers and her father, of her friends, whilst they're mending the nets and sorting the fish, of this strange man who has come amongst them, this strange man who is talking about the kingdom of God, this very odd man who is going about healing this man who has come to be baptised by John. Mary, I think, must have been a very strong-minded woman. She obviously went against the prevailing wind of the day, following Jesus with his disciples. We're told that she and other women attended to their needs along the way. She wasn't going to be told she couldn't pray or she could only go to the synagogue on a particular day because she was a woman. She was going to go and follow this man, Jesus. She couldn't possibly have known where it would lead her. She couldn't possibly have known how her own heart would be filled with the light and life and hope. She couldn't possibly have known how her heart would have been broken. And yet she is the one who follows all the way to the foot of the cross who remains looking at the horror, who remains waiting in the emptiness, who waits for the prompting of the Holy Spirit to move her to the tomb on that early morning. It's as if she is so connected to Jesus and the ways in which he was speaking of the kingdom that she understands. We're told in our gospel reading this morning that the disciples did not yet understand that he would be raised from the dead. Mary somehow did understand. That's why she was there on that morning. And she comes into the garden, an echo of the Garden of Eden, maybe, an echo of the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And here we do not find suffering and sorrow, apart from, of course, Mary's own weeping. We find reward, joy, delight, and life. As Jesus turns and calls her, calls her name again, perhaps as he had done many times. And in that call, in his voice, she recognises who he really is. Remember that passage of scripture we had a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago now. And Jesus says, the sheep know my voice and they follow me. Mary knew Jesus' voice. If she couldn't recognize his resurrected body, she knew his voice. And so for us on this Easter day, how do we recognize Jesus' voice in our lives? Where is light and life and hope for you today? Even in the midst of pandemic, not being able to do the things we'd like to be able to celebrate today. Where are those things? Hope and light and life and joy. For they will be there. But maybe we can't even see them today. Maybe we're in a place today where we can't say Alleluia. But if we can be like Mary, if we can wait, trusting in the words that Jesus gives us, then who knows what we might see? Who knows where we might be led? It must have been really difficult for the disciples. They hadn't seen Jesus at that point. And Mary runs to them and says, I have seen the Lord. What were they supposed to do? They didn't know. So actually, Easter isn't a fix-it-all moment for them. It is because God has fixed it all through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But for them in their own lives, it wasn't the moment where everything was hunky-dory. The Romans didn't just suddenly disappear. They weren't suddenly full of joy. In fact, some of them got on the road and decided to walk to Emmaus. And so for us on this Easter day, it is a moment of joy. It is to be celebrated. It is the moment where we remember that God has fixed it all and all things are given into his hands. But we also recognize 
but that doesn't take away our worries about debt or our jobs. It doesn't replace all the people who've died this year. It doesn't take away sickness and disease and inequality and poverty. All of those things still exist. But what it does do is strengthen us to run and tell the good news, to proclaim afresh that the kingdom of God has come near. And we need to do it over and over and over again so that those on Twitter who disbelieve and those around us who disbelieve, those who think we're foolish and stupid for believing that a man could come back from the dead, can be shown the greatest love that God has for each of us. So celebrate today and enable it to strengthen you for the days ahead. Remember these moments and listen for the voice of Jesus. Amen.